Welcome to the podcast, Leadership is the Conversation. A discussion with today's top business leaders on topics to keep busy professionals informed. Today, Jim Dixon, Tom Meyer, Ron Kripe, and Rick Ainsworth continue their conversation with Karen Bradbury, Vice President Learning and Development with Unum Group, regarding innovation and how to encourage employees towards innovative thinking. Karen, I really love that little eye, big eye. Everybody is responsible for the little eye innovation. That's, sure. That's, that's the piece of innovation that as, as an employee or as a leader, I want my employees looking for that little eye innovation. We might have we might have a big eye innovation group off to the side who who can who focus on the, the, the wildly new product. Right. But we encourage everyone on that yeah. little eye. Yeah, I like that. I like the sounds of that model. Actually, that's, yeah. you know, because that, that gives people the permission they need, but they also know that maybe there are some folks that are really being asked to really think big and they have the support and the budget to do so. I think it also actually uh, brings up another question, and that is how do we incentivize everybody mm-hmm. to be innovative? Or do we do they learn because they've been in the industry for 20 years, hey, I'm just going to do what I've always done for 20 years. Now, right. I, w- now I want people uh, to be innovative. How do we incentivize them to be innovative? That's, that's absolutely one that's one way to look at it. The other flip side of that coin, and Karen, you're so good at this. We've worked with you for long enough that I've been able to see it. Is it really about incentivizing people to be innovative or is it about stopping the disincentive mm, <laughs> to yeah, be so innovative? That, and that's what yeah. you do well. I mean, you, you, you create these cultures on your teams where, you know, you're willing to take a, a small R risk um, or and sometimes a big R risk if they, if we can use that same analogy with mm-hmm. risk taking um, and, and I've watched you before, you know, when we've tried things or we've tried to be creative or we've gone out on a limb and, you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't work or it doesn't pay off what we thought it was going to pay off. And, and your approach has always been, um, you know, OK, well, that didn't work. You know, let's let's redesign or rethink about right. this or reimagine this. And um, right. that's important to not disincentivizing people. I think that's almost more important, frankly. Yep. I mean, I think it speaks to, you know, just this whole concept of psychological safety, right? Yes. So yeah. I, I would hope my team, you know, the people that work for me and have worked for me in the past would say they feel safe around me to make mistakes and not get it 100% right. You know, I, I, I would really hope that's what they say, um, because that's how I feel. It's I don't expect anybody to be perfect. And if, if, if somebody never makes a mistake, then they're not stretching themselves very much. They're not taking <laughs> any risk whatsoever. They're just playing it safe. And to me, that's boring. And it's not really moving things in the right direction. So we have a whole concept around, as you, as you all know, at Equus around, you know, doing test and learn. So we might have a concept for a program that we want to run. You know, we have a new program coming out this year, um, the multicultural leadership program that we're really excited about. Um, And we're feeling really good about the design and we're feeling really good about what the outcomes will be. Um, But it's a pilot. Because we need to learn from that and we need to learn which parts of that work really well, and which parts don't. And if we were in an environment where everybody expected perfection from day one, you know, from the moment the program launches, 
um, man, I think we'd spend more time being worried and crossing our T's and dotting our I's and covering ourselves, you know, sure. than we would, you know, really putting together a creative, innovative, you know, cool program, for example. So I, I think more than anything else, psychological safety, really thinking about it from almost a neuroscience perspective as well. You know, if you're going to put people into like a threat response versus, you know, a reward response, for example, you're going to have a hard time getting people to be creative, to be good problem solvers, to be innovative. You know, so really thinking of it also from that neuroscience perspective is really important when it comes to innovation. And that's innovative in itself, because actually the old way of looking at de defining things would be management. I keep, yes. I keep putting, okay, let's manage this risk, okay? Well, we could call it innovation management, which we have seen before. Well, actually, mm -hmm. it's, it's more innovation leadership. What do I need to do as a leader or what do I need to put out there as a leader that will help right. people feel comfortable in doing this? Yeah. You know, that's why culture is so incredibly important, you know, for any company that wants their employees to take risks, to take smart risks and to ultimately be creative and innovative. You've really got to think about what's my response if it doesn't go right or what's my response if it does go right? You know, how, how are we doing this? I think the psychological safety is a real, a real key insight here, because that's it's the, also the second podcast. It is, <laughs> yes. Well, it's just the distinction between what I think about, you know, these small startups where they're encouraged to make mistakes. You know, that's mm -hmm. all part of the equation, and there's a joy in trying to come up with this new idea. Versus, you know, I'm inside an organization. I don't know what all the rules are. It's a financial organization. I have to be a little more careful. The other, the other concept that floats in and around this is Brene Brown's concept of vulnerability. Mm, oh, gosh, yes. You know, taking, taking a yes. risk when the outcome, showing up and taking a risk when the outcome can't be determined. Right. You know, and, and that has to be part of the equation or, or people um, default back into very safe positions and then innovation just hits the skids. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think Brene Brown has just hit on something that is so important and so in many ways obvious, but also revolutionary. Mm -hmm. You know, it really is revolutionary to talk about vulnerability when it comes to being a leader or when it comes to being a business person. But I think if you're open, you're authentic, you're genuine, then you're, hey, you know, you're going to have good days and bad days. You're going to make good decisions and bad decisions. But having the ability to be um, open about that and be self-aware mm -hmm. goes so far, don't you think? I mean, I know that's what I like about, you know, working with certain leaders and and, um, and what have I, I've always appreciated over the years. I think also it makes me think that, we need to cultivate an environment or an atmosphere or a value mm -hmm. in people as far as innovation is concerned to have what Senge calls after action review. Because, oh, yes. Because yeah. I might actually have come up with some idea that on its surface is not a really smart idea. But right. after I review it, after the action, I find out there's one or two things from making that decision that are actually valuable. Yes. Then we want to do that in the future. So it may it may not necessarily been a total success, but there are elements of it that actually contribute to an overall success of a corporation or department or a function. 
Well, and one of the critical components of an after-action review that ties back into psychological safety and vulnerability is the avoidance of blame. There's Mm. no part of that conversation that is dedicated to blame. It's, you know, the three questions for an after-action review are what happened, uh, why do we think it happened, not who was responsible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What happened, why do we think it happened, and and what do we do now? What's next? Yeah. So in listening to this the whole topic here is how do we encourage our employees to be innovative and create innovation. And so far I've heard a psychological environment of safety and creating a cultural environment and through measurement and metrics, we're, we're going to encourage innovation and some pilot programs. So that's obviously you've gotten some financial backing and, so what I'm hearing is there's not just one really clear way of, of right. encouraging innovation, that it takes multiple avenues to encourage employees to be yeah. innovative. Yeah. I mean, for us, I would say it's a few things. One, it's the message that our employees are getting from leaders is that we really do need innovation in this company, and we know it could come from you. Um, you know, so let us know what you think, what your ideas are, et cetera. Um, and then the last thing I'd say, too, I think it's really important that as a company, as managers in this company, you know, that we go in with a growth mindset, you know, that any anything is uh, anybody is capable, you know, of being innovative, of problem solving, you know, anybody is capable of, of bringing that next best idea to us. And um, and so having that uh, an open mind mm-hmm. and not just assuming, you know, somebody can't do it. Uh, can make a huge difference. Well, actually, it makes me think when you're talking about problem solving that innovation actually is more of a quality of good problem solving. Yes. A quality yes. of good decision making or right. a quality of learning. You know? Right. It's, right. it's not a separate entity, it's a part of everything else that we do. Exactly. Okay. Now I'm going to ask the really loaded question, especially to people who are involved in development <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> Is it a teachable skill? I, I think it is. I think it's a layered answer. I think there is a skill of critical thinking and problem solving that is teachable. But then there's the environment of psychological safety and there's the willingness to take risk. I think mm. two of those you can control really easily. Like the critical thinking we can teach the environment we can craft and fashion. But in my coaching practice, I've bounced up against folks that for whatever reason had been burned or had a bad experience. The way it morphed internally for them was an unwillingness to take risk and step out on the branch if it even sniffs of snapping. And, And Karen, you see, I mean, you've managed people before. We've all had that role Sometimes if you've got somebody that's more risk avoidant, um, man, you got to work on that. And I don't think it's teachable. I think it's coachable, but that's yeah. different. Yeah. You, you know, and even with a good coaching model, like we use the grow model here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the theory of the grow model is that everybody has the answer. Everybody knows what needs to be done. A good coach can get it out of them. 
And that coach doesn't need to know anything about what the problem is that the person's trying to deal with, you know, but by asking a series of questions around what are your goals? What's the reality of your situation right now? What options do you have, you know, and, and really make, you know, keep going back to it. What else? What else? And then what's the way forward? How would you handle this? Quite often people can, they really have the answers, you know, so given the opportunity, given the kind of permission Mm-hmm. And giving some um, um, encouragement and reassurance. Um, I, so that's why I think, I think any, you know, for the most part, anybody is capable of being um, a good problem solver, of being innovative, of being creative, uh, if they want to be. And then if maybe, you know, they are in the right circumstances and are, are being coached in the right way. Yeah, and how much of that coaching goes right back to the psychological safety you talked about? I think so much of it, you know. Um, We also, like for years, I've been involved in rotational leadership programs. So I've seen people, you know, go in, you know, three different roles, for example, over the course of a few years. And they might be in one role where it's it's not a great fit, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. the circumstances are. You know, maybe it's their relationship with their manager maybe it's you know literally the the role and it's just not working out that well but then they can go into another role that's really suited to them you know that where they have confidence where it's playing to their strengths maybe they have a manager who's really you know reassuring them that they are capable you know so so that's why i just am i am reluctant to say somebody can't be either taught or they can't or we can't find circumstances in which they can contribute um you know through innovation and creativity sure so what i'm hearing is the skills of innovation can be taught and risk taking is the coaching piece yeah and then it's so dependent on really the culture you know that you're in Thank you, Karen. You've given us a lot to think on. Join us next time as we continue our conversation in leadership. Also, please visit us to learn more at our website, www.equisconsulting.com. All views expressed on this podcast are the opinions of the individual participants and do not necessarily represent the views of any organization, employer, or group.